Join us at Only Believe for two Christmas Eve services on Saturday, December 24th, one at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m., featuring Christmas music, communion, and of course, a beautiful candlelight to end these services. We will also be having church Christmas morning at 10 a.m. Come early for seasonal treats. Your whole family is invited. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Jesse the Planet. I'm coming to Only Believe Church right there in Boxers, Ohio. January the 7th at 6.30 p.m. and Sunday, January the 8th at 10 a.m. We're going to have a glorious time around the throne of God. I always start my year off of 2023 right there at Only Believe Church in Boxers, Ohio. I love Peter and Phyllis Dozak. They said such blessings of the Lord. Let me say it one, one more time. We will be there January the 7th at 6.30 p.m. on a Saturday night and Sunday morning, January the 8th at 10 a.m. Bring a friend, share a miracle, and watch God do some wonderful things. See you soon. Bye-bye. Well, good evening, Only Believe family. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Amen. So nice and warm and cozy in here with that wind out tonight. So it's so awesome to be here together. Uh, first of all, I just want to welcome all of the live streamers. We're so glad that you're joining us tonight. We just pray that this service will touch you in some way. Um, if you're new here tonight, there are guest cards in the back of the pew. So if you could just pull that out, fill it out, take it out to our welcome center. Um, we would love to just meet you and just get to know you and just see if you have any questions about what we do here at Only Believe. Um, so the first announcement that I have tonight is um, this coming Sunday, right after, the, right after the service, we're going to be making fruit plates for our kids' church, and they're going to be taking them to two different nursing homes in our community. So we have about 100 of those plates to make. So Sunday, right after the service, if you or you and your family would like to head out to the lobby and help us make some of those plates, that would be awesome. It's just another thing that you can do just to be a light to those around you. So if you could help with that on Sunday after church, that would be amazing. Um, the second announcement I have is our Christmas services. Who loves our Christmas services around here? Aren't they awesome? So this year we're going to have two on Christmas Eve. The first one is going to be at 4 p.m. and the second one is going to be at 6 p.m. Both of those we're going to have candlelight, uh, Christmas music, a message, just all kinds of awesome stuff. So we would love for you to come out to that. Bring a friend. There's two different opportunities now that you have this year to bring somebody to Christmas Eve service. So we would love for you to do that. And then we will also be having Christmas Day service at 10 a.m. It'll be a lot like the Christmas Eve service, um, but we won't be having candlelight. So if you want to be a part of candlelight, you'll definitely have to come out to one of the Christmas Eve ones. So, all right, well, we're going to get into worship tonight. If you guys want to stand up on your feet, I'm going to pray us in. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to come together, God. We thank you, Lord, that you are here in our midst, Lord, that when we come together as the body, God, that your presence comes and it sits and it falls in this room, Father God. We just thank you, Lord, just for an amazing message tonight, Father God. We know, Lord, that you have anointed pastor's lips, Father God, and that you are going to just be speaking something to every single heart in this place here tonight, Father God. We just come before you, Lord, just with our hands lifted high, Father God. Just We just want to just praise you and worship you and lift your name on high in this place tonight. We just thank you, Jesus, for just everything, God, that you are doing through the people in this place tonight, Father God. We know, Lord, that you have anointed them, Father God, and that you are going to continue to grow us, Father God, so that we can go out and be a light in the world, Father God. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.
it's time to rise throw off chains run to the light it's freedom you are freedom oh come awake come awake it's time to rise throw off chains run to the
that I had right away was had I died unexpectedly where I would have found myself and that truly was and is still chilling to think about and so if you're in here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior I want you to find someone in here tonight and tell them that you want to make Jesus Lord don't let another moment pass you by let them pray for you and explain to you what that means amen so it's time to give. So we're going to turn to Mark 12, and we're going to read about the widow with the two mites. So we're going to read verses 41 through 44, and it says, And Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury, and many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, 
which make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples and saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. As I was reading these, I was convicted. I wanna be like this woman. And I'm not sure that I'm there yet. I mean, she was a widow, so she didn't have another income. And she gave all that she had. I mean, it's easy for us to give out of our abundance when we have plenty, you know, on the back burner. But to give, you have $2 in your hand, that's all you have, and and you give it. You give it all, trusting in the Lord. I'm finding in the days that we're in with everything increasing, it's impacting me. I'm feeling the, the weight of that. Not that I'm lacking or without, my bills are paid, I have food, I have clothes, but my checkbook is a little less than I like. It makes me a little nervous, you know, it's getting a little below what I'm used to. And I don't want to be someone who holds too tightly out of fear or out of not trusting the Lord to be my provider. If I see a need, I want to be the one who sets aside conveniences or goes without myself in order to fulfill that need. I want to be that person and I'm not yet. And what else was very interesting to me is that Jesus sat and he watched. He watched. Though Jesus isn't here in the physical we know he's here and he's watching. It, it, it mattered to him. And he saw that she gave everything and the others gave out of their abundance. And he saw that as a good thing. Jesus is our example of giving. He gave his life and he gives us life and life more abundant. He gives us life eternal and he gives us joy, he gives us peace, he gives us wisdom, he gives us discernment. I could go on and on. He's a giver and I wanna be like Jesus and I wanna be like this woman and I know all of us want to be. So I wanna encourage us as we give tonight, know that Jesus sees our hearts and we don't have to hold on too tightly to what we have because he will provide. We will lack nothing. Okay, let's pray. Father, we just thank you, God, for your word. First and foremost, we thank you, Father, for salvation. We thank you, Jesus, that you provide our every need. We thank you that it is you that worketh in us, both to will and do for your good pleasure, God. And God, where we lack, where we miss the mark, Father, we ask that you would come and you would do a work in us and make us pleasing unto you. Father, increase our faith. Let our faith be stirred. Let our faith be increased, Lord, as we give tonight. Let it be pleasing unto you, God. Let us be expecting. Let us be excited to give, Father. Let us give, Father, not out of our abundance. Let us give sacrificially, Lord. Let us be those who will give sacrificially. And we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.
is coming up on Christmas season, celebration of the great virgin birth, that which people say is impossible, but nothing is impossible with God. We found out Sunday that Carol Dosick had passed away. Uh, the viewing will be on Thursday, December the 1st, from 4 to 8. Uh, her funeral home will be, her funeral will be here at the church at 11 a.m. And both will be here at the church. So you have from 4 to 8, Thursday, and then from Friday at 11 o'clock. They had it at 10, but they found out that I had a meeting in another country with some pastors uh, via Zoom. And uh, so they said, Mom wouldn't want you stopping that. And uh, she wouldn't. And uh, so I'm not saying that she was controlling, but <laughs> even being dead, yet does she speak. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. All right, let's turn our Bibles tonight to, this one doesn't work again. None, it doesn't work. All right. Why do you pay good money? So you know what you did with your money. Hallelujah. So there you go. Praise God. And, uh, Tonight, we're going to talk about hopelessness reversed. You know, the Bible says, I'm sorry, I said turn to Roman. Let's go to Hebrews 11.1. 1. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Hopelessness reversed. Sometimes Christians get the mindset that is something that happens that that's the end of it. But really, nothing is the end of it until it's over. Amen? And we need to get a mindset of perseverance, a mindset of stick We need to quit living like common people. We are not common. We are born of an eternal seed. We have been joined to an eternal God. And we have an eternal promised residence called heaven. There's nothing common about us. Our talk is different. Our life is different. Our morals are different. Our mannerisms are different. Not that I'm saying anything against sinners. We used to be them, but thank God that our eyes were open. We saw the glorious gospel. Amen? So, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. So faith is the things that is the essence of what hope is created by. In other words, if we could cause people to be hopeless, they would automatically be faithless. Amen. So hope is very important. Hope reversed, hopelessness reversed. In other words, are there situations that we find ourselves in 
in life. You know, our life can change in a moment. It can change at a phone call. It can change at a letter. It could change from a doctor's visit. All of those things could change. But there is always hope for the believer. Now, hopelessness manifests itself in a lot of different areas or a lot of different ways. Number one, despair. Have you ever met somebody that is just, there's no hope, there's nothing I can do. Those people are hopeless. Ultimately, they are faithless. And sometimes people get despaired of life and desire life to end. We know that suicide does happen. It should never happen. We hope it never does. And we certainly do not hope or wish that it would ever happen to a believer. Yet it happens. Sometimes when hopelessness comes, we feel like we've been abandoned by God. Have you ever shook your fist at God, spoke, God, where are you? And, and then later caught yourself and said, God, stupid is as stupid does. Forgive me? Sure, absolutely. There is an absence of hope when people lose their vision. People lose vision. They can lose it by economical change. They can lose it by the loss of a job. They can lose it by something they have failed at. But many times when we don't have hope, one of the things that takes place is that we lose vision. A loss of despondency to life itself. Have you ever been involved in something and something goes wrong and pretty soon, well, you know, it's over now. Well, it's just the end of it. Well, you know, people don't even play games like that. Nobody is the winner until the whistle is blowed. But sometimes people get despondent in life because they hear a bad report. They hear this. They hear that. Well, you know, you've got this and it's incurable. What does that mean? Doesn't mean that it's impossible with God, but it does mean that you've just heard a statement that will cause you to be despondent to any hope. Hopelessness reversed. The use of statements like, I can't change it. Well, whatever will be, will be. Settling into a common course of action without God involved. That's hopelessness. And many times people today are overcome with hopelessness. You know, every day inflation is happening. Every day it seems like we have less and less to live off of. But that doesn't mean that we're hopeless because a little with a righteous man is much with God. Amen? And there is a seed in your life, wherever you are, against the hopelessness of you providing for your own need. Romans, the fourth chapter, if you'll go there now. Romans 4, 8. 
this is a man that is hopeless. Though out of his hopelessness, he became the friend of God and became the father of faith and became the father of all those that believe in Christ Jesus. That's quite a resume. But he never started out victorious. He never started out on top. He used faith to bring him from the bottom to the top. His name is Abraham. And in verse 18, it says, talking about Abraham, who against hope, that means that he's hopeless. That means he has no inkling of what to do, how to do it, or where to go for hope, for help. He is hopeless. Who against hope believed in hope. So there must be a place where hope can be attained even in the most hopeless situation. And it says, he believed that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body. Now dead, when he was yet about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. There were two places that hope had been destroyed in Abraham's life. His own dead loins and the deadness of Sarah's womb. And he says that he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. But he was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to preform. Therefore, it was imputed unto him for righteousness. In other words, the benefits of a righteous man were bestowed upon his life. Here, Abraham has no hope. Not that he hasn't tried, but he's failed. He probably has been married to Sarah for a good 30 years. She probably was wed someplace in the age of 15 years old, and she was wed to Abraham. They came together as a husband and wife with great excitement, plans of a family, but for some unknown reason, Sarah was barren. We know that it was the devil. It never was God's promise. And then Abraham's womb, Abraham's loins ultimately died. It had served its purpose and the time had drawn that children were not in the future. But Abraham in this hopeless situation, now, you might not think that it's hopeless, but realize that if Abraham did not bear a son, that there was going to be no lineage in Abraham's remembrance of himself, of his family, and of his God, his faith would diminish. There was a lot at stake for Abraham to use his faith. So Abraham 
is really faced with evidence that hope cannot live. But Abraham, against that hope, hoped in God. That tells me that no matter how hopeless that you and I find ourselves, that God himself has a place that we can be filled with hope. And hope is essential to faith because without hope, faith is unnecessary. And so it says here that Abraham believed God and that in believing him, he then believed that what God had spoken, so shall thy seed be, it refurbished his hope. When you get hope, you have a choice. Now, you can turn your back on God. You can go your way. You can do a hundred and different things. But if I was in a hopeless situation, the first place that I would go is not to the report of lost man. Not even to the report of disbelieving believers. You know, there are disbelieving believers in 1 Corinthians, the 14th chapter. There are unlearned believers, but there are also disbelievers. Because they would come in and hear you speak in tongues, they'd say you're all crazy. Well, that's because they don't believe in the gifts. doesn't mean they don't exist. It means they don't believe. But here, when we come into a place of hopelessness, God is our refuge. God is the place that we go so that hope can be reborn in our hearts so that faith can be used to bring the promise to pass. I don't know the mindset of Sarah and Abraham the first few times they came together. It might have been, Abe, we've tried this before. And the situation was better towards our favor than it is right now. But Abraham didn't give up and neither did Sarah. They had hope reborn in their life by a promise. And I'm telling you, no matter where you are in life, no matter ho how hopeless you think you are imprisoned, how hopeless that your future seems, if you will go to the scripture and look up what God has said he would do for you, hope will be born. And when hope is born, faith produces that which has been declared by God to whosoever chooses to mix faith with it. Now, I know you might say, you know, we, we're conditioned in America. You know, did your mama have this? Did your papa have this? Did your brother have this? Did your 19th cousin have this? Did they have this and have that? You know what? I just put on there, no. No. Because my father has given me a new 
blood lineage. And my father has never, ever had heart problems. He never, ever has arthritis. He never, ever is confused or facing anxiety. Now, you know, I know that we all want to look but realize that Abraham never considered his body nor where it came from. So we make sure that we consider God above ourselves. But we are being conditioned to believe that what somebody else has is going to come your way. You know, I've had ugly in-laws. I've had ugly uncles. And I've had some real ugly aunts. I've had some ugly cousins. And if you're watching, I'm not saying you're one of them. But I don't ever plan on being as ugly as they were. I don't think ugly is hereditary. If you're ugly, go get fixed. Huh? Pull it back, slick it back, get it replanted. You know, get the eyes tucked so somebody can see what you're doing with your eyes. Uh, you know, get, get all kinds of stuff done. People say, oh, I just think people having plastic surgery. Oh, get over yourself. You get up and you use hairspray. You use this. You put mascara on. All you're doing is covering up what you don't like. They just got fixed what they don't like. You know, hypocrites come in all forms. Could have given amen. Yep. Hallelujah. So we got to realize that hopelessness can be dispersed when we find what God has promised that he will do. This leads to the choice of using your faith or not using it. There are a million things that God wants to do for humanity. Starting with number one, that they all must be saved. But we understand that there are a million things not happening to humanity because humanity will not simply humble themselves and live by faith. It's important that we don't allow our faith or our hope to be based on somebody's report. Amen? You know, I was, when uh, Darius, you came in tonight, I was thinking about that woman that was in the church that had cancer. She was way back in the back. The whole church was jammed. I couldn't get into the building. And uh, I had just come down from the top of the building wrestling a devil, uh, which she got married and got a house and everything. Remember, became a superintendent uh, of the uh, Sunday schools in Assemblies of God. Now, that's how fast you can go from a devil to a saint. She come running at me down a, a line, and Eric was standing there and said, oh, I'm going to have to tackle that one. Well, lo and behold, he didn't have to tackle. I ran towards her and tackled her on that roof and cast the devil out of her. She got saved. 
There was another woman in that meeting. After that, I came down. They said, there's somebody they'd like for you to pray. She had cancer. She had a bag hanging. She was in a wheelchair, and I couldn't get to her. We, they were, it was just so crowded. So finally, I just reached my hand up and hit her on the head. And when I did and mentioned the name of Jesus, that woman shot straight up out of that wheelchair. Eric said, literally, I could see her rear end at eye level. He said, now I'm six foot something. So he looked at her rear end. She is up above the crowd. She hits that floor. It's like the Red Sea parts. Man, it splits. She takes off running down to that altar. Eric grabs the wheelchair, and I take off chasing her. And we get down there, and she is embraced there at the altar with her daughter that brought her. Three or four months later, they send us a picture. The woman is in total health, totally recovered. They say, well, why don't that happen in America? Because you're too lazy to jump up. We get so inundated with hopelessness that it destroys our faith. I can't tell you how many cripples that have told me, well, I can't. I'd say, well, I guess you won't. But if you change your mind while I'm walking around up here, just reach out and grab me, and you can be healed. But if you're going to wait till you feel better, you and I are both going home and I'm not going your direction. See, you have to use faith. You have to have hope. You have to believe that God can do something and will do something on your behalf. We were just in the Ivory Coast, and they took me out into the crowd. The pastor did say, Pastor, would you pray for this lady? I said, sure. She had a great big belly about this big and he said she's been bleeding for about three months they can't get it stopped I said well that okay I so I laid hands on her I cursed it I mentioned the name of Jesus Christ not in Christ's name not in Buddha not in Harry Krishna but in the matchless name of Jesus Christ no other name, no other name, not Messiah, not Yeshua, no other name holds power in the New Testament church like the name of Jesus Christ. None. There are no replacements. Titles do not hold power. Jesus is his name. And though Peter was a scriptural man of the law, when God appeared to him in a vision and said, Peter, eat this. Oh, Lord, never. I've never broken any dietary lines of the law. When he speaks of Jesus, he said, no other name under heaven. Under heaven. Now, maybe you're smarter than Peter. But let's just believe for a moment you're not. No other name under heaven whereby a man must be saved. Now, in the Old Covenant, Jesus said this, I kept them in thy name, Father. 
But now, all of the names of God are interwoven into one name called Jesus. You can't get saved by calling on Messiah. You can't get saved calling on Jehovah. You can't get saved calling on Yahweh. You can't get saved but by any name under heaven but Jesus Christ. Would we be simple enough to believe the Bibles and the apostles that lived in the old covenant and seen the new covenant come to pass? Would we stop denying the name and lift it up and see the power of deliverance for those that are bound. So I prayed the name of Jesus. The next night, the pastor brought her up, said, Pastor, do you remember her? I said, no. He said, this is a woman that was out in the crowd. They had seated because she couldn't walk. She was crippled by that big, bloated stomach of blood. And you prayed for her. He said, when she woke up today, the blood had stopped and her stomach was flat. Yeah, that, that is the name of Jesus. The name, the name of Jesus. That name gives us hope in hopelessness. And so, we have hope breathed into us by the promise of God. Don't listen to the world. Don't listen to, well, I knew people and, and they believed and they died. Well, those people aren't here anymore. But I'm here. And I'm going to believe God. I'm here. And I'm going to stand in faith. I'm here, and I'm going to believe and lay hold of and not let go the promise of the name. That's what I'm going to do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You say, what about Jesus? They called him Messiah. They called him Messiah under the old covenant. Jesus instituted the new covenant, not the old one. Amen. They knew him as Messiah. But we know him as Jesus. So did Peter. So did John. So did James. So did Paul. Men of skill and learning. Men of faith. And Stephen. All in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Darius, I remember when we come and Bud introduced us to you. I don't know how many blind eyes that you could count in just one service. You couldn't count them. Now, those people came there hopeless. But when they heard hope, faith rose up. And people got set free, cripples, blind, all types of miracles that just astounded your mind. I've seen tumors as big as basketball. Remember when we were in T.L. Osborne's 
church, Camaway. He had prayed for the governor's daughter, and she had got healed, and the governor gave him a piece of land. T.L. Osborne grew, uh, built a church there, one of the biggest churches in Cuba, and uh, I was invited there to preach, and uh, they brought this woman in in a wheelchair that had this big tumor as big as a basketball on her stomach. Now, you could in no way, shape, or form think Let's hope that goes away. But by the preaching of the power of Jesus Christ, when we preached, she had hope. And so I told Eric, I said, go down there and lift that woman up. I prayed for her and cursed it, and I said, lift her up out of that wheelchair. When he touched her hand and started pulling her up, that dress went flat. And she took off walking. Yes, hallelujah. Amen. How many people, Bud, you remember the hospital in, in Russia? Bud and I were preaching. The church got so filled, we had to, they had to make a pews for outside. Buddy, it was cold. Believe me, it's cold. And yeah, man, and we're out there preaching. And all of a sudden, here comes an ambulance. Then here come another one. Here come another one. The hospital had heard about the miracles. And the people that heard got hope. And they came down there and got out of those ambulances. And they got prayed for. And God healed them. The next night, some of them came in gowns, dressed up to the hilt, because God had honored their hope. And had given them a miracle. And no matter how hopeless that the Western church gets, it will not stop the reservoir of the restoration of hope in the impossible from God. Nothing can stop the hope of God from breaking into a broken, discarded, empty heart. But you'll have that hope, and you will use faith. And you will use faith. Mike, do you remember the first time you was out in a crowd and ran into a crippled man? You told him, you know what, God, God's going to heal you. I'm going to pray for you. You're going to get up. And lo and behold, you prayed, and up out of that wheelchair he come. Hope is so easy to manifest if you would just believe. Just believe. You say, well, how do I believe? Act on everything that you find in the Scripture. But what if it don't work? Well, you've already been there. Right? I've done hundreds of things that haven't worked. But I've done a few right things that have. I remember we were in uh, Mexico. And things were just kind of, you know, sluggish. Kind of like this. You know, the dead had raised and they rolled them in and... And, you know, they were there on the pews. And, 
And uh, sometimes I just get mad. I just get pure stinking mad. Not so much at the attitude of the people. Lots of times attitudes are contagious. And so sometimes people have attitudes when they really don't want to have attitudes. It's just they got them. And in this service, Carol Dosak was with us. Charlie was with us, and Carol was with us. And I remember the next morning she said, Could you get Charlie another room? I said, For what? She said, He's up all night praying in the Holy Ghost. I said, He's not my husband, he's yours. So that night, I just got agitated. And I said, I want every deaf and dumb person to line up right here. One came, two came, five, ten, twenty, thirty, went right on by me, forty, fifty, sixty, seventy, eighty-four of them standing outside the building. Eighty-four of them, I thought. Man, that was the wrong thing to call for. Everything from babies to gray-haired people. Some had even got into the line that were crippled. They couldn't walk and people were holding them up. I prayed for them. And every time the name of Jesus was mentioned, a deaf person heard and a dumb person spoke. Carol Dosak said, I've seen 84 people get touched by God and walk out of that service totally healed. Totally healed. Hallelujah. You remember last time we were in uh, uh, Ivory Coast? Matt Nichols was preaching. And he had opening night, which usually nobody gets opening nights but me because they're scared. And it has to be broke. Well, Matt took it. I said, Matt, I want you to take it. So he took it. And the first thing he said, bring every blind person up here and form a line. You remember that, Mike? And, buddy, they come by the groves. And I thought, bad choice, Matt. But Matt started laying hands on each one of those people. Mike got involved. David got involved. I got involved only when I needed to. They prayed for those blind people. Every one of those blind people left that line healed. Every person. They heard hope. And it called for faith to do what God had commanded faith to do. Those people are totally healed. You know, Paul, in Acts, the 27th chapter, he said that we were in a storm. He made the comment, just like you and I do for people that don't listen. You should have listened when I told you. I told you so, didn't I? Didn't I? Didn't I? God said, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
said, now we're out here sinking. Ain't got no oars. Sails are all gone. And we're going to die. Because the Bible says, and all hope was gone. That's hopeless. But Paul went on a fast for 14 days. Oh, my word. Well, I guess you can live hopeless or you could get a word from God that would give you hope. And Paul was there. He prayed and finally, the 14th day, an angel of God had come and spoke to Paul. He said, Paul, be of good cheer. He said, because you're not going to lose one soul that stays on this boat. Now, how be it? I'm going to have to make provisions for you another way, and I'm going to bring you into a cove on an island. So Paul tells the centurion about that. The centurion tells everybody, don't get off this boat. And so, sure enough, in the midst of that storm, hopelessness showed up. But when the word of the Lord came, it gives hope. See, that's why I said when you get in a situation, go to the scripture, meditate it. Till you're like one guy told me one time, he said, I meditated till my meditator fell out. And he, Paul meditated. And you need to meditate. Spend time with God. Shut it all off. So that the voices of the world that are hopeless will cease to ring in your ears. And then you'll hear God. And when you hear God, you will be filled with an undeniable hope. And will be nobody will be able to steal that hope from you. Nobody. You can't take what God has said to me away from me. You can't do it. I can mark the times that God has spoken to me. I can mark all the times when people have spoken to me. They speak more than God. And anyway, when God gives you a word, that word is fused with faith enough to bring it to pass. You say, well, I, I know the scripture I study. Well, you just didn't hear what I said. I said, you find out what the scriptures say and you meditate on them. And you meditate on them. You meditate on them until they speak to you. Because there is a voice in the voice. And what you're after is that voice coming to you. And when you get that, faith is not a problem. Your language will change. Your viewpoint will change. Your attitude will change. Your perspective will change. And I'm telling you, you will see God do the impossible. So let's reverse hopelessness. Don't stay where you're at. 
just because you've shipwrecked your life, do not give up. God has still got a word for you. And let God speak it to you. And when you do, you will become dangerous to your problem. You'll be dangerous to the devil. And you'll be a light and a testimony to the people in the kingdom. Praise God. I'm telling you, God is waiting to speak to us. If he didn't want to speak to us, he never would have given us a promise. But for the simple fact that we have the promise, God's waiting to speak to us. Waiting. He's just waiting to speak to us. So let's cause ourselves to become filled with hope. Could again, amen? Come on, let's get hope. Paul said, if all we have in this world is hope for things, we are above all men most miserable. You have hope of eternal life. And there's nothing the devil can do to stop it if you will keep your faith active. Now, I'm telling you, God doesn't fail, but lots of people do. Don't give up. If you failed, pick yourself up, dust yourself off, laugh at yourself, and start over. Get back in the saddle. Amen. Start over. And as you do, God will honor his word of hope. And your faith will be in what God said and not what men have said. Praise the Lord. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Hope, hope, hope will reverse hopelessness. You're not facing anything that's impossible to God. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray right now that, God, you would just illuminate our hearts, open up our ears, God, give us a hunger and a thirst, God, not to settle for that which man does not believe that can happen. God, fill our hearts with fresh hope that faith, God will rise up and live in our life the way that you designed it to live. And God, we ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you. See you Sunday morning.